we're talking about heresies, or I like to, instead of saying heresy, we're talking about doctrine. Uh, and heresies, as we've seen the last few weeks, comes from the word which simply means choices. And there's different groups using the scriptures that they had choices. It would be the, the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the Essenes. And even the Christians were considered a sect or a choice of their response to Judaism. Uh, but as it goes on, heresy is going to become, or the choice is going to become uh, a deviation from the truth. And what we talked about last week extensively was the idea that the truth existed from the beginning of Christianity. Uh, it talks about, like Jude writes, uh, 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 contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to you, which is kind of like an absolute you have it. Paul writes this way. And we went through a lot of scriptures so that the truth is available. And contrary to what some church historians and theologians teach that Christianity kind of evolved out. There's little different groups of people that kind of evolved and created it when they put together the creeds and started having church councils. But it's pretty clear that Jesus had the truth, said he was the truth. He taught his disciples, his apostles, and sent them out with this body of information, and they were to share it with others, and that's how they write. That's how the New Testament is put together with them explaining the truth. Now, deviations did take place. A couple words that are going to be interesting as we go through this is the word orthodox, which comes from the Greek word orthos, or, or, yeah, orthos, which means straight, and then doxa, which we normally think of as glory, but doxa means opinion, so a straight opinion is orthodox. And this will come up again later tonight, but we would have what we'd say good doctrine, sound teaching, healthy doctrine, or we would be orthodox. Uh, we have straight, a straight opinion or a straight choice. There is an O, a, a large capital, orthodox. That's the Greek orthodox church when it splits from the, the Latin church or the Roman Catholic church. And that's going to take, we'll refer to that here later. But everybody that is in correct doctrine would be what we'd say orthodox in their faith, not Greek orthodox, but what a great word to name your church, orthodox. Uh, the opposite, right next to heresy, is the word heterodox. Heter, which again, if it's heterosexual, that's positive because you got two sexes. You don't want homo, which means the same. You want heterosexual, but in this case, other, heter means other or different, different doxa, heterodoxology or heterodox would be a different opinion or a different uh, truth. And so when we talk about heresy, we're talking about heterodox. And when we're talking about sound doctrine, we're talking about orthodox is what we would want. Uh, and again, the point, main point with this, all this so far, especially after last week, is we have what is called the truth or the faith. And this faith is the embodiment of sound teaching, the, the New Testament, the doctrines, which are going to eventually come what we'll call, what I would call, systematic, trying to scribble that here, systematic theology, where we can have volumes of books. So I've got some books that are one volume with 10 sections, or I've got some that are like four or six volumes explaining Christian theology. It was all there in the beginning, and then what takes place during church history is the heretics 
are going to challenge, and we'll talk more about this as the night goes and through the weeks, the heretics are going to attack, and they're going to say, you know, we use the example, uh, Jesus was not God, he was just a man uh, anointed by the Spirit. Or there is no Trinity, it's just God appearing in different forms. Where those are different choices than the faith, and because they're different choices, because this is the truth, but you're giving us a different choice, a, a heresy, it becomes a, a fallacy. It becomes a lie. It becomes a false teaching. Or in this case, a heresy that is no longer Christian. That's really when we talk about heresies. Uh, you can't have, in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a dictionary definition, in, in, in a, just a basic viewpoint, you can't have a heretical stance of view and still be christian if you don't have a correct understanding of who jesus christ is according to the faith the truth the uh the the new testament the doctrines that were handed to the 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 the, the believers once and for all that teaches who jesus christ is if you don't agree with that then you can't be christian you're going to have some gap you're going to not going to have atonement you're not going to have the deity you're not going to have the humanity you're not going to have the resurrection something is missing and you're going to be a a a group but it's going to be a cult it's going to be something that's a deviation from christianity so basically if you're a heretic or you embrace a heretical teaching you are not Christian. You can call yourself Christian. You can put a cross up. I would use examples. Mormons consider themselves Christians. I mean, in, in, our, in our culture, Mormons are considered Christians, but they're not. They're, they're a heresy. Jehovah Witnesses, they're considered Christians. Some people would consider them a part of the Christian community, but they're not. They're a heresy. The greatest, and this is this, the truth, uh, uh, it's, it's hard to wrap your mind around it unless you think about it, but C.S. Lewis said it, uh, the greatest Christian heresy is Islam. Islam is, it, it has all the players, all the pieces, just everything's twisted. It's not its own religion. It's a, it's a heresy, first of Judaism and then of Christianity, and it's right there beside the Jehovah Witness, the Mormons, is Islam. And again, think about that. It, it's not something out there in left field. It's right there parallel with Christianity. Just everything's different. I was in a group at a public school. There, a, a, a Muslim was teaching a, a class, and uh, he had come in to teach the children. It was a, a, a open it was a day where we had, uh, what they call it? What'd they call that day? Diversity day. Diversity day. They always brought in things that no one agreed with to present in many cases. It's like, and some of it was good, but a lot of it was like, come on. Is but anyway. Uh, more so i went to the mormon i hear the guy talk and i i'm listening and and uh, he was talking about you know judgment taking place when god judges the world in the end and he says it'll be east of jerusalem right there then right right by the picture in the kidron valley it's like i'm thinking right it's east of jerusalem in the kidron valley uh, uh the valley of jezreel uh or jehoshaphat and, and he says, and Jesus will be the judge. I'm like, Jesus? It's like, and I was like, Jesus is, that isn't like Muhammad or Allah or somebody, you know? It's like, well, no, Jesus. But then they, they've redefined all the players. And then we get into Christian eschatology and Islamic eschatology. It runs parallel, it's just, but everybody's flipped places. Our Jesus is their Dijon, or what they call the Antichrist, but their 
what they would say Jesus is coming back is the false prophet in the book of Revelation. It's like all the names are just switched. So it is a Christian cult. Again, much I've got some of that written about that in uh, the book. Uh, 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 what's the book called? Lifeboats. Lifeboats. Uh, Titanic. Titanic faith. Titanic faith. I got a boat on their lifeboats. It's such a long title. It's it's clumsy, but yeah, just like my teaching. Okay, but anyway, the faith, and we uh, develop uh, systematic theology. What I was saying here, the heretics, and we'll look at some of these here, just, in, just an overview tonight, we'll do more later. They came in and they started trying to explain things, but they explained it wrong if they're explaining the deity of Christ or they're explaining the Trinity. And then sometimes the Christians, now again, this was already established, but they sometimes had not asked any questions. It's kind of like, this is what we believe. And then someone challenged, and you've had it happen to you, this is what I believe. And then someone says, well, yes, but could this be? And it's like, well, I don't know, I've never thought about that. And then you play with it for a while and realize, no, 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 that would be a heresy. That would be wrong. And so as through church history, especially starting, say, 100 A.D. up till 600 A.D., we'll just say especially, uh, a lot of heresies popped in and challenged Christianity and gave them a new definition and the Christians had to like, mm, no, and then iron those things out. Sometimes have church councils and decide if this is right or if this is wrong. And when they drew that line, this would be the correct embracing of the faith. And this would be outside the faith, a heresy. And you say, well, is that even scriptural? Well, yes, we already talked about it. 48 A.D., the Jerusalem Council, a very good question. Paul's up preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. They're all accepting it. He comes back to Antioch in Syria, and they say, well, we're, we've gotten all these Gentiles circumcised, and they're all following the law of Moses, so they become Christians. It's Paul says, whoa, 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 that, that's not the gospel. They say, well, if the Jews have to follow the law, so do the Christians, or the Gentiles have to follow the law. And it's like, well, no, and then Paul rebuked them. He even, even Peter had gone astray at that point, and they ended up down in Jerusalem at the Jerusalem Council in 48 AD trying to decide what do we do with the Jewish law, because that was paramount. The Jewish law was paramount, and now Christ has come, and we've got salvation by faith in Christ, but we've got an entire Old Testament, and the Jews are going into captivity because they did not obey the law. All kinds of problems. Like, what do we do with this? It's like, well, the Jerusalem Council says that it is not necessary and it was the truth, it was the faith, but they had to ask some questions to establish that. That's already taken place in 48 AD in the book of Acts. Well, more heresies or challenges are going to come, come up, and that's going to lead to some of the church councils. We'll be talking about those in the next few weeks as we go through this. Now, uh, on the board here, on, on this right here, in a little piece of paper I, I've handed to you, I'm going to read through a bunch of notes and go over some things. But this is a nice way of approaching this because you want to be, uh, you want to be gentle, you want to be fair, you want to be, I don't want to say open-minded, but not everything is a do-or-die issue in Christianity. Even Paul writes that way, and I'll give you some scriptures, uh, I've got them all handed out to you in another packet we looked at last week, about how you know, you're going to have to leave some room and people are going to have to follow their convictions. Now, that means some things are absolute, they are absolute doctrinal issues. For example, uh, God is the creator. God is the creator. You can't say, uh, you know, well, I don't think so. I think everything just evolved out of nothing. There is no God, but I'm still a Christian. Okay, okay, you're, no, you're not. Or uh, that God exists. 
or the nature of, of Jesus, which is, again, this is just the list. This list is totally incomplete, but kind of gives you a feel for it. Jesus is, like we've talked about, he is eternally God. He's not like created by God. He didn't, wasn't born in a manger. He, he, was, he was given. He came from eternity and was given, but he was born as a man. He has not always been a man, so he is both God e- eternally, but was born fully as a man, which again is the hypostatic union. And if you change that, it's not Christian. And we go on down this list. Then there's going to be some things on this middle of this list right here, or I just wrote interpretation, uh, and there's probably a better word for it. These things that are, are solid, we should practice baptism. We should practice uh, the Lord's Supper. Uh, there are, uh, we're on the list here. Uh, we should have some kind of church government. You know, you're, you're going to meet together. There should be some kind of a system. Uh, there are spiritual gifts. That, that's, a, that's a no-brainer. There are spiritual gifts. But like, for example, the spiritual gifts, uh, the spiritual gifts that we see in the New Testament, uh, if we see something like that taking place in, in the Western world in 2024, it's, it's, it, it could be really kind of out there, kind of weird, like showmanship, what 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 so we still have the spirit of god we still have the spiritual gifts but have they changed have they been ceased which ones do we continue for example there can't be again okay okay now now this is me right here giving you this my interpretation but right when i start doing this some are going to put it over here some are going to put it over here some will agree with me some will disagree with me uh i i would not want to say something contrary on the deity of christ but the spiritual gifts, it's like, that, that's all over the map. For example, are there still apostles today? Are there still people writing Scripture today? Well, that's one of the absolutes over here, is the authority of Scripture. And if the Scripture is still being written today, well, then you didn't get the fullness of the truth. In the beginning, we're still getting it yet today. So you've got to, draw, you've got to cut the spiritual gifts off at some point. I mean, if you still want to be laying hands on the sick, you still want to be speaking in tongues, that's another discussion. But you, you, you can't just say everything's the same because there's only one group of apostles. There's only one group that met and walked with the Lord that took the gospel. And Paul even says, you've got to see the resurrected Lord. Well, someone's going to say, I know a guy uh, who said, well, you know, the Lord appeared to him. He says, I've seen the resurrected Lord, so I'm an apostle. It's like, Okay, you're going to have a hard sell of that now again. He didn't have a hard time selling it. Some people went right with him and say, oh, yeah, great. He's an apostle. Nonetheless, the spiritual gifts, we agree. Everyone will agree they're here, but how are you going to divide them? Again, eventually, I've got an opinion, and everyone should have an opinion eventually, but sometimes our opinions are going to cross. They're going to be difficult. And then there's going to be what we called last week the non-essentials, which, again, again, as soon as I draw this up here, it's like, wait, 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 that's not a non-essential, that's an absolute. And on this list right here, uh, Bible translations. And again, the King James only crowd would put the King James over here as an absolute. 
okay, and that's fine, that's fine, but I, and they would maybe consider that I'm a heretic because I've got an NIV Bible or using the English Standard Version, and I've rejected the King James authorized, inspired, handed, and again, I told you this great story about I was in a church pastoring, they didn't have any church, any Bibles in the pew, and I, I wanted to get some, because I came and I started teaching, and no one had a Bible, I mean, teaching verse by verse, and no one's, everybody's just staring at you before cell phones, they're just like staring at you, and it's like, okay, I'm going to get some Bibles and put them in the pews. Well, then we had to decide what kind to get, you know. And then, you know, is the NIV what translation? We're having a business meeting. And one lady, you know, she piped up, you know, God bless her. And I've told you this before. She pipes up and she goes, well, I just think if the King James was good enough for the Apostle Paul, it's good enough for us. And it's like, okay, is there any more discussion? And then we all went with the NIV. <laughs> because it's like, you know, but it's like, again, that's funny. But again, this would be a, a non-essential, I think. Uh, other things, again, here, here's the list I've got right here. Church music, politics. Whew, I mean, some politics today, I don't know how you can be open-minded on some politics. But again, in a general sense, you know, do you want to have the government do more work, you know, or do you want to be, ha- have be more independent, you know, more, uh, less government or bigger government? I mean, that, that would be a fair decision. You want the government to be doing more and you get taxed more, or you want to get taxed less and you do more. Uh, that is a fair decision. Now, some of the things the government is doing today, I'm not real sure how you could justify some of the policy, but that, again, there's people that say the same thing about what I would believe. So anyway, we put politics, or again, tattoos, put tattoos over there. I know the Old Testament, well, don't tattoo your body, uh, but again, and that these are what would be non-essentials. And the reason for this is you have to have some absolutes that if you are not in this group, guarantee, if you, are, do, if you do not believe God is the creator, if you do not believe Jesus is God and a man, you're not a Christian. You're religious. You go to church on Sundays, but you are not worshiping the same truth, the same God that is here. So you're, you're a heretic. You're outside of the Christian realm. But yet, if you're going to stay, take, well, you've got to agree with me on uh, full immersion water baptism. You've got to agree with me on the Lord's Supper has got to be taken every time the church meets together. Uh, the spiritual gifts are, they've, they've, every one of them has passed away. No one's got a spiritual gift today or whatever. Uh, and, and if you don't agree with me, you're a heretic. Well, now Paul makes it a very important deal throughout the New Testament. It's an issue. We need unity in the faith, but we also want to keep peace between each other. So as we move over to this side, for the unity, and and we've said it before, especially when we get over this this column right here, uh, we're going to have to be very, very accepting of other opinions over here, I can talk about the day. I, I've changed my opinion on several things over here of just loosening up or tightening up, moving things around. Uh, but if we move all of this over to this category, you're going to break unity. Your, your churches are going to be like two or three people. And then as soon as you have a Bible study, you're going to divide and you're going to be, everybody's got their own little church going because to keep the bond of peace, you're going to have to accept some of these non-essentials recognize these people uh, i don't agree with them on their educational system or i don't agree with how they celebrate or what day they celebrate easter on but they're still christian and 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 we can still fellowship or if it's a big enough deal you're going to have to have a church and we're going to have to have a church over here if it's a big enough deal but i recognize these people are christians believers in jesus christ they just have differences in 
these non-essentials and maybe in these interpretations. Think about eschatology. This would be, end times would be over here. I've got some, you know, opinions and I've moved around with my eschatology, but end times would be right here uh, if there is a rapture. And I think the Bible's pretty clear there is some kind of a rapture, but when, before, mid, post, when, when's it taking place? Will it be visible, unvisible? Will we be driving cars and everybody just vanishes and the cars all crash and a bunch of clothes laying around, in, you know, in the streets because everybody's gone? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I've got opinions, but you've got to leave room for other people to teach it and investigate certain things like this. Okay, now, there is a group called, we'll say, I'll start off with the fundamentalist. And I would, at, at some point, as, as definitions develop, uh, I would consider myself a fundamentalist. The, I, I believe the fundamentals of Christianity, but taken in uh, today's culture, uh, the political climate, a fundamentalist is a is a wacko that's way over to one side. And in that definition, again, I would consider myself not a wacko. <laughs> Some people would. Uh, but uh, I, I consider myself very balanced. But yet a fundamentalist, where I'm going to hold to these doctrines as absolute. And so I think these make a person a fundamentalist. But a fundamentalist is going to have a tendency to take all these things and shove them over into this category right here. Everything, and including tattoos or if you eat the wrong food or you, do, you go to a public school system or you, you, know, you celebrate Halloween, you, you dress up and take your kids trick-or-treating. It's like, you're a heretic. You're, you're not a Christian. It's like, okay, okay. Uh, I know Halloween trick-or-treating is a big deal and, I, and I've been on both sides of the Halloween debate. And right here, so people are shutting off the live stream. You guys are thinking about leaving. But it's like, it, it, it tends to celebrate death and, and ghosts and, and darkness, and it's on a certain day of the year that it's like, it's kind of like creepy, like I don't know if this is good. But yet when I had kids, and they dress up like a baseball player, or you know they didn't dress up like Satan or anything, but they dress up as whatever, really, whatever we could, we had six kids, so whatever we could stick on them. I mean, one kid went as a catcher, put on his catching gear, and went trick-or-treating as a baseball catcher. It's like all he's doing is wearing his catching equipment. You know, it was like a loser costume. But, but the idea was you're going door-to-door, meeting your neighbors, people you never meet, I mean, in our modern world, that you go and you knock the door and, and you're meeting people, talking to people, you're doing a community activity. Uh, and so I thought, you know, this is kind of positive. I, I'm, I'm talking to people I've never talked to before because we're getting candy for our kids. So I'm, I, in that sense, I'm, I'm pro-Halloween. But yet you push me, it's like I, I'm the guy who, want, I, I've got tapes of going back to the 80s. I'm preaching against the satanic holiday. Why would a Christian participate in that? Well, because you're going door-to-door meeting your neighbors and, and, you know, you don't have to say, you know, again, that's that's a not don't don't leave my bible study or kick me out of the church because that's a non-essential now you may feel strong about it and maybe with some teaching i would move it over to this category over here i suppose you know a fundamentalist would put it over here you've got to put everything over here and so an extreme fundamentalist which i would have a tendency to lean that way is wrong because you're going to destroy the unity of the church by putting everything over here in the absolute category now, the liberal Christian, and I mean liberal, uh, not just in a, 
uh, a political sense, but more of a, you know, they're going to put everything over here, including the Creator. It's like, it doesn't really matter if there's a God or not. It's, we're here. Or uh, Jesus. It's like, Jesus, you know, some people think He's God, uh, they would say. Uh, or, or some people think he's just a good guy. You know, it's not really a, a matter of anything. Everything's over here. It's all really, basically, all the New Testament, if there even is a scripture. I mean, who, who knows if they would say, they would say, who knows if the Bible's really real? Someone might have made it up. And so they put everything over here in your personal opinion. And now you see the contrast in, in society, any society. If it's, you could put this fundamentalist and liberal labels on an Islamic community. You're going to have your fundamental Muslims, and you're going to have your liberal Muslims. And again, you can see how that could interact in anybody else's culture. And so this, this category, uh, something, to, and again, I want to build this and work with this as we go through and put some scripture verses on this. But there are non-negotiable truths. The truth that was once for all, we know this. The Bible tells us, Jude writes, contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. That's this right here. That same truth addresses these things, but the idea is you have to admit some of the things are hard to interpret. Peter even says some of Paul's writings are hard to understand. And, and, and people distort them. Uneducated people distort them to their own destruction. And so you know, like when Paul talks about eschatology uh, or or even some other doctrines he mentions, it's like you've got to step back and just kind of, sometimes you, you have to mature to have an understanding of it, and you have to leave it here in, an under, in, in, a, in this middle category. Uh, this is what I've wrote here, dispensationalism. Some people believe that, some people don't. Calvinism. Now, if you're a Calvinist, you would want to put it right over here in this absolute, but Calvinism would go <laughs> right here, right beside my dispensationalism. It's like, you don't, you don't have to agree with my, again, I, I'm not a, a hardcore dispensationalist like some people want to stretch it out, but I, I, if someone rejects dispensationalism, I disagree with that teaching, but they're still Christians, and, and we can still discuss and have fellowship together to some extent. You know, I mean, if, you know they're going to be teaching all, every day against it, and then I'm going to try to defend it. Every Bible class ends up in a debate, and we got, okay, agree to disagree and go our own ways but anyway these are these are important areas right here the absolute the area in the middle kind of interpretation and the non-essentials does anybody have a question about that and again even and i i kind of i gave you that sheet because it's 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 kind of it's not filled out all the way and you could go you could go ahead and just you can cross see this is not like this is your official document you could cross something off and put it in a different category you see what i'm saying uh, because this is, again, you, you will have to have an absolute truth. And if you're a fundamentalist, you can move everything over here, write all of your opinions over here in the absolute, and have this column blank and blank, and just say everybody has to agree with me, otherwise no one's a Christian unless they agree with me. And then you're going to change your mind, and then what happens to you? You, you, you never were a Christian? What happened? Uh, or, you know, you can move that around. But it's something to look at and, and find interesting. All right. Uh, I'll leave that on the board here for a while and we'll look at some things here let's take a look at the notes that you've had for a couple weeks and go to uh, page four uh, and this is a lot of this is going to be review uh, just so we can make sure we get through the material uh, at the top of page four uh, 
you know, it just begins, there is one truth, one faith, and it's referred to as the truth, the faith. Uh, there's going to be choices that will cause the vision. That's that second paragraph. Uh, any choice then that is not the truth or is different or is false because it is not the same as the truth, it is gospel, uh, that it is, it, it, if it is the gospel, they call it gospel, but it's not the gospel, it would not be true. Uh, there is a, a corruption that comes in, it, it cannot be tolerated. Uh, and so these things will cause division. So the point there being, when these false teachings come in, there's naturally going to have to be divisions. It's like, well, Jesus said something to the effect of, and Paul writes about it, that, uh, that he, did, he, he, he didn't come to bring peace, he came to bring a sword. He's gonna, when you bring truth in, even the armor of God, the sword of the Spirit, you know, which is the Word of God, the truth, is going to start to separate people into different groups. And the more you teach, and this is one of the problems with the, the, the Western church potentially, the more you teach verse by verse and explain the Scripture, the more people are going to realize that they don't agree with what the Bible says, or they thought differently, and they're going to have to renew their mind and be conformed into the image of Christ, accept the Word of God, or they're going to have to say, oh, I, I don't agree with that, and they're going to leave. So in that case, the less teaching you do, the less people know about the truth, the more unified you can become, because once you start teaching, you're swinging a sword around, not a destructive sword, but a sword that's dividing air from the truth, and the truth is what's going to save us and help us grow and mature and have healthy doctrine. And so again, there's a danger in, you know, again, the teaching if you're trying to make a, or build a mega church. Uh, Thus, heresy or choices of doctrine become bad, evil, and are to be avoided because they are, uh, in the church, they're, they're, they're false teaching. Uh, heresy began to refer to co uh, communities hostile to the Orthodox Christianity around the year 112. And this is, a, we can see a guy by the name of Ignatius. We're going to spend more time talking about him. Ignatius was what they called the bishop or the leader of the church in Antioch, the Antioch that Paul went to, that Peter went to, Antioch, Syria. Uh, and I think if I take a moment here, I can flip through some pictures here. Let's see how well this goes. Yep, right here we go. This is Jerusalem. Here's Antioch in Syria. Uh, the church, that was one of the first places where Jews and, and, and Gentiles came together in the name of Christ and formed a church. And Peter was, was brought there by Barnabas and taught there. But when he went on a mission trip, some men from Jerusalem came up and started teaching the law to the Christians. And by the time Paul got back, even Peter had been drawn into the heresy of the Judaism uh, being part of Christianity. Well, uh, Ignatius uh, was around during the days of, of John and, and Timothy possibly Peter and Paul, but definitely John. He's in that same group as Ignatius, uh, Papias, Polycarp, so he, he knew these guys. And he is going to be arrested around 117 and taken from Antioch, probably sails over here uh, to Tarshish, where Paul is from. That's where Paul was born, Tarshish. And is going to be taken right up here. Here's Antioch again. Here he's going to Tarshish by the Romans to be fed to the lions in the Colosseum in Rome, and he's, he writes letters all the way across, and we have these letters, they're not in the New Testament, but they're written, uh, a safe date is 117 AD, and he is coming from 
Peter and Paul's church, he was familiar with John, Papias, Polycarp. So he knew the apostolic doctrine. He, he, he knew this. Uh, and he writes several letters to different churches. He even writes a letter to Polycarp that we've got a copy of. He comes all the way through Laodicea up to Philadelphia, Sardis to Smyrna. You know the church of Smyrna mentioned in the book of Revelation where he writes and meets with Polycarp who was the pastor of the church of Smyrna. So when, when John writes the Revelation, the seven letters to the seven churches and he writes through the, the angel or the messenger of the church of Smyrna, that could very well be Polycarp himself who a few years later, Ignatius is going to write him a letter and a letter to the church of Smyrna. It ends up at Troas, that's where Luke was from, where Paul had met Luke. Sails across here to Philippi, just like when Paul was called up here into Macedonia. They make the same trip and pick up the Via Ignatia. And he's taking down the Via Ignatia, goes through Thessalonica, picks up the Via Appia right here, the Appian Way, and goes into Rome, and then is fed to the lions. Uh, he writes a letter to the Church of the Romans saying, I'm coming, do not risk your life to try to save me. I'm more than w willing to be offered up. Uh, to the Lord as a sacrifice in the, in the Colosseum. But we've got those letters from 117. Now, the reason I share that, I'll give you more information about him later. The reason I say that is because um, heresy began to refer to communities hostile to the Orthodox Christianity. And notice that's little o, the, the straight way, not the Eastern Orthodox Church. But the little o, Orthodox Christianity, around 112. Ignatius uses this word heresy in his letter to the Trelelians in chapter 6, verse 1. You can look that up online uh, to identify the docetic teaching. And now the docetic teaching, I've got that written down right here. Docetic teaching was an early church heresy that taught that Jesus Christ did not have a real or natural physical body on earth during his lifetime. Their claim is Jesus had an apparent body or was a phantom. Now, be gracious you can understand uh jesus has is doing <coughs> these, these miraculous things i mean he's walking on water he's being resurrected from the dead he's healing people uh it's just non-stop the miracles even john himself writes if everything jesus did was written down he closes the gospel i don't suppose the world could contain the books so these people are looking and hearing, and some of them would have remembered having seen, because there was crowds that saw Jesus do these things. He wasn't, they, they make a point of it. Jesus does and his apostles. This wasn't done in a corner somewhere. This was done publicly, and Jesus taught publicly everything for everyone to hear. And so these miracles were done, and now you're going to, as a natural person, how, how, how did he do that? And, and how did he come back from the dead? And how did he walk on water? Uh, well, he, he wasn't real. I mean, clearly, I mean, think of the talk shows you, you put up with in our culture. The morning talk shows. And they bring on these, these people. Uh, they maybe are a celebrity for something. Name some unrelated anything to anything that's important. And they're an expert in this entertainment industry. Bull riding. You know, whatever it is. That the, and they got this champion bull rider on. And what do you think of, and then you ask them some question a political question about middle eastern events or the political situation in the world somewhere or something about the vaccination and it's like what do you think about the vaccination champion bull rider well here's what i think and it's like well what does the bull rider know about vaccinations and 
but yet we, we listen to these guys throw out their opinions and then we blog and we support them and like them and not like them and, and, and share their opinion. Well, these people are going to have to explain Jesus. And on the talk show, well, what do you think? What do you think happened? Well, I think he was a, a, a God that just came in and appeared and did these things, but no man can do that. No man can come back from the dead, so he wasn't really a man. Well, thank you very much, champion bull rider, for your opinion. There you have it. Jesus wasn't a man. And it's like, now it's doctrine. It's like, well, it starts spreading, and other people are like, now you got the, the beauty pageant queen who hears the bull rider says, that's what I think too. And I, I wish for world peace and just want to tell everyone that Jesus was just a, an image, just a phantom. He wasn't a real person. And now you got on the beauty queen contest or the Greek theaters, all this stuff going on. And now you got a whole group of people and the Christians are like, no, they understand that doesn't, that doesn't even fit. If he's not a man, he can't die for sin. Oh my gosh. And we've already got the truth. Well, Ignatius writes these, and this is the word docetic, uh, comes from the Greek word doke. Dokeis, dokeisis, dokeisis, okay, uh, which means apparition, I say that word, apparition or phantom, uh, or, and that comes from the word that means, from dokeen, which means to seem, so he only seems to be a man, and it was officially doceticism is that idea that Jesus just seemed to be a man, and it's going to be a big deal. Uh, in the early church, it was at, finally at, in, at the Council of Nicaea in 325. Uh, it was it was condemned um, as as a heresy or heterodox. You see right there, heterodox doctrine. Uh, and Ignatius writes against asceticism at that time. In in by 200 A.D., heresy referred to teaching that was not in agreement with the orthodox doctrine. And Ignatius writes in Ephesians 6, 2, around the same time, he's writing to the Ephesians, and here I say 1, 12. He, he writes, here's a quote, middle page 4. Indeed, Onesimus himself greatly commends your good order in God. Now, this Onesimus would be probably not Onesimus of the book of Philemon, uh, but someone else in the area. It's a different town. That was, in, that was over towards Laodicea. Uh, but uh, in Ephesus, but nonetheless, he, he's commending, saying that he commends your good order in God, that you all live according to the truth, and that no sect has any dwelling place among you. And that word sect could be positive, different divisions, but it's being used as, it's a word heresy, no heresy has any dwelling place among you, nor indeed do you hearken to anyone rather than to Jesus Christ speaking in truth. And so there he's referring to the church of Ephesus that Paul is writing Timothy a letter we're talking about on Sunday morning to the church of Ephesus in 62 AD. And now some 50 some years later, he's referring to says Onesimus says that as his experience with your, your church that you drive out the heretics. Anyone that comes in with a heresy or a sect, you have nothing to do with them, which would include the, 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 the docetics. Um, Heresy grew as people in faith tried to explain. Again, this just continues. And they're going to have to, people, including uh, not just unbelievers, but people that become believers that are, in a sense, ignorant. And I, I, can, I can go back, and I don't want to embarrass myself any more than I am, but go back when I was a teenager in my early 20s and started teaching or studying the Bible seriously when I was like 23, 24, 25, is like, 
jumping to conclusions. Well, this must mean, and I, you know, I'm, I'm building, I had the word systematic theology. I'm creating my own systematic theology. Things are tying together. But the more I study and read established systematic theology, I'm quickly like burning up those notes because I was, you know, in a sense, sometimes if you do it on your own, you begin creating your own little heresies, trying to explain things that you realize by making this statement, you're denying this truth and you're going to have to somehow bring it together. Well, that's, what, that's what's happening here. Uh, between 100, 200 A.D., people are explaining Christianity without a full understanding of the full truth. And that's where the uh, apostles and those that followed the apostles and the writings the apostles left are going to be crucial. And as I write, some heresy was intentional, but some was in ignorance. The intentional corruption uh, heresy was, you know, intentionally trying to lead people away and, and, and have your own group. Ignorant corruption, uh, uh, heresy was just due to an unfinished thought or, or not complete training. And that's why, for me, uh, the, the, one of the most important things the church can do is teach verse by verse through the scriptures to the people so they can build and understand a systematic theology. And as you're teaching, you're, you, it's going to be hard to teach verse by verse through the Bible and hold on to a heretical teaching uh, the whole way because eventually you're going to get you know, sawed off. You're going to get mowed down and have to make a correction. I, I've, it's happened to me. I, here's what I think. The more I teach, it's like, oh, I got to tone that down and get my thinking more in line with the scriptures. Well, that's what the early church was doing. Heresy forced, that's the last bullet point there, heresy forced Christianity to develop or to finish their thought. Now, please understand that. The, the fullness of the truth was already given in Christ. He gave it to the apostles. The apostolic writings, as we saw last week, referred to the, the, the faith, the, the unity of the faith, the, the things that were written, the things that were handed down, what we received. That's one of, a big phrase. We received this truth. We didn't create it. But as it's being handed down, people are trying to process it, and as they're processing it, they're deviating and coming up with their own explanations. And the church leaders and the churches have to bring them back with better teaching, or if they continue in their rebellion... Drive them out. You're, you're a hero. You have not accepted the truth. That's where Paul says. Warn them once. Warn a divisive person. And that word divisive doesn't mean they've got a bad attitude or they're always complaining about the potato salad. Warn a divisive person. That means a person that brings in a different choice and he's causing a division. Everybody's orthodox, but you're bringing in heterodox. You're bringing in a heresy. Warn them once. Get back over here but you're still teaching this. Warn them a second time, and if they still stay there and they keep teaching, have nothing to do with them. They are a heretic. So the divisive person is not just the person that comes in and, and you know, is, is spreading rumors and causing divisions, and, and, and that kind of, that's another whole, that's a social issue. This was a doctrinal issue who comes in and causes divisions. Warn them once, warn them twice, and again, you can see Peter being corrected by Paul, you can see Apollo, we talked about it before, Apollos being corrected by Aquila and Priscilla. And in both cases, they came back into the heterodox or the, excuse me, the orthodox teaching. Uh, the formation of doctrine was often the result of correcting the air. Uh, the doctrine of the Trinity developed because of the heresy of, and here's just four of them right here, Montanism. We're going to look at all of these here in just a moment, run through them. The next one is Monarchianism. 
and Arianism. Those are three, we'll, we'll break those down, three false teachings that they had to have church councils together that say this is wrong. Even the church leaders had to get together and lay everything out on the table and say, no, this, they're, they're teaching this. Is this acceptable? It's like, well, and then they debate and they eventually would get rid of those things. Uh, they, page, page five, they needed the correct language to communicate the Orthodox faith. Again, they needed to develop the language. Uh, they had to identify the foundational doc- documents, and that's what we had, you know, that first column. What are the foundational doc- doctrines, but also what are the foundational documents? They're going to have to put together, again, and the writings of Scripture within them attest to their own authority. Paul talks about reading his letter, read this letter, keep this letter. He's talking about his letter, as is Peter, that these are official documents. They were, uh, what we can say, a covenant people. In the Old Testament, they were a covenant people with God. But what came, if you have a covenant with God, what came with that covenant? Written documents. This is the covenant. The prophets could refer back to the written documents that were part of the covenant. Well, Jesus begins a new covenant, and he taught these things to the apostles. And it's just natural that with the understanding of a covenant, there's going to be a a document somewhere. It's not just going to be a feeling it's not just going to be like, well, he said and they said and we think. It's going to be like, where is, we have this covenant with God. We have this new covenant in Christ. Where's the documentation? They would have naturally been looking for and expecting and being able to refer back to. So as the church goes into the second century, there are documents coming out of the first century that are able to go, oh, here is the documents, and that becomes the scripture. And do not, this is, this is a fallacy. I would almost push it into that category of heresy. Is the church teaching you know, in seminaries and other places that they, they picked and chose the books that they wanted to be in the New Testament, or even some, they're writing them in the second century. They're writing their newly developed doctrine in the second century. These are people that challenge the authenticity of uh, the book of 2 Timothy or even 1 Timothy or the Paul's letters. Uh, they wipe out, definitely, 2 Peter's gone. It wasn't written until much later in the, into the second century, they would say. But that buys them space. But the problem with some of that stuff is like in 2 Peter, that's where Peter says some of the things Paul writes in his letters, plural, are hard to understand. But unstable and ignorant people distort them. So even Peter was referring to a a body of literature that Paul had written, calling them his letters, and he says, as they do, the key phrase, as they, they distort them, as they do the other scriptures so there's peter now you've got a problem peter i think he's writing that around 64 a.d second peter he's referring 64 AD. so by 64 a.d peter's able to refer to his people he's writing to you have paul's letters they're scripture but if so that that puts peter and paul right there by 64 a.d paul's writings are considered scripture by peter another apostle and it's telling the church read these documents well if you put peter into the second century now he's writing the second century and they're still developing these doctrines and some of the letters paul wrote are are fabricated but yet he's referring to paul's letters as scripture sometime in the second century it's like well now you got that what comes first the chicken or the egg is, is this Peter writing in the second? Why is he referring to Paul's letters? He's in this, while the scripture's still being developed, supposedly in the second century, say 125, 
the guy that's creating the Scripture is referring to Paul's writings as Scripture, which I thought we were creating Scripture in 125, but yet he's referring back to documents that were in existence in 60 AD as Scripture, so you're going to lose either way. The fact that Peter wrote Paul's letters, plural, there's a collection of this information, and it's like the other Scriptures, if it's 64 AD, that makes it like you've got these covenant papers. If it's 125 AD, it's the same thing, except it undermines your argument that it's, the Scriptures are being created because this guy's recognizing, so you lose either way. Okay, we go on and on about that. But po- top of page 5, identifying foundational documents or the New Testament had to take place, and they were, and it was either. And when that's done, they can refute heresy and then establish boundaries on certain doctrines and in areas of theology. How far can you go with certain things, and what's our limit? And they begin to build. Now, these next lists here is just a bunch of words for deceive uh, or deceit that can come into the area of, of false teaching. The next page six is, these are New Testament verses, a couple of old, yeah, we got one Jeremiah verse there. But warning about false teachers coming, warning about false prophets coming, warning about false believers coming, warning about false apostles coming, warning of false spirits, and warning of false messiahs. So all that, you've got false or heretical teachers, prophets, believers, apostles, spirits, and messiahs all happening while the New Testament is being written or coming in later to undermine it. So once again, your Bible tells you look out for these heretical teachers, prophets, believers, apostles spirits and messiahs and you're going to be a bible believing person well i don't think there are any of these it's like the bible says they're there your problem is you've got to identify them so somewhere in your world somewhere in christian and christianity that you come from someone's a false teacher someone's a false prophet someone's a false believer someone's a false apostle or a false spirit or claiming to be a messiah that they're not and that's the that's bible that's not my opinion that's the bible telling you they're there but the problem could be uh, we're just too ignorant or too uh, postmodern to want to identify anyone as false because now you're running counter-cultural. Page 7. Heresy compared to interpretation under, or understanding. And this is some of the things we've already talked about, comparing uh, absolute doctrine with things that are, you know, non-essentials. Not all air is heresy but all heresy is air. Uh, so for example, there, are, there could be things that I am in air on. I am, my understanding is wrong. Let's say my timing of the rapture. I am in air. I've, I've made, I've, I've, I'm making a mistake. I, I'm not a false teacher. I'm an inaccurate teacher. I'm not a heretic I'm making an heir. I am still in Christianity. It, not all heirs are heresy. But if I'm over here and I'm saying uh, Jesus is only a man, this is heresy, but it's also an heir. So you, I could hold to an heir and still be a Christian. You can't hold to a heresy, even though it's an heir, and that's what that simple, that simple point, we need to erase that so no one sees that uh, any more than they did. Uh, so that's not all, not all air is heresy, but all heresy is air. Uh, also an important point as we go through this, 
part of our teaching is to prevent unnecessary separation and enable the church to maintain both unity and truth. Just because, and I've run into this uh, different places, just because I teach a different timing of the rapture, I believe in the rapture, I believe in the second coming of Christ, there's just, we're talking about a difference of months. Like if, if you believe, for example, if you believe there's a seven, now I'm not trying to defend myself, uh, but if there's a seven-year tribulation, that seven years is broken into two periods of three and a half years, uh, 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 you know, the distinction, the rapture, if it takes place here or sometime here, which I don't think it takes place here, you're talking about a matter of three and a half years a difference, which again, it would be a big difference, especially during these time periods. But the rapture is here or here, and because someone says here, I say here, it's like, oh, you're, you're a heretic, we're not going to talk to you. It's like, do you understand, you are that, that extreme fundamentalist. You've taken these, these things, we're not going to talk about it, you're, you're driving this thing out. Now, I, there's a lot of people that, I, I used to think that this would work, so I understand how these people think. I now am leaning more towards this. And again, give me time. I, I've switched to here. Study more. I may switch back here. Uh, I hope I never reject the rapture because I think that's a biblical doctrine, especially the word harpazo is in there. Uh, my understanding of the rapture, you know, it seems to be a physical event that takes place. Some people want to spiritualize it. Some people want to condense it to everybody when they die, their rapture at their own individual rapture. Uh, I think you're misinterpreting the scriptures, but you know that that would be an error i don't think that would be a heresy so that's again one of the reasons for identifying these things is just because once you go on the heresy hunt it's like we're going to drive out all the heretics well you, you you're, you're standing alone i mean you're going to drive everybody away because eventually you're going to come to a place even with your former self or future self where you're disagreeing with somebody on something so prevent unnecessary separation again that's not that's not that's not to talk about compromising with, with heresy or, or bad teaching or false teachers. It's talking about having some grace and main, understanding that we need the body of Christ. Heresy demands separation. So if there is heresy, it demands separation. In fact, you're wrong for dividing over non-essential things, but you're also wrong for not separating from heresy. So there's a, you know, there, there's that tendency we all have. Well, I'm not going to fellowship with this person because they don't agree with me on the rapture, but I'll agree with this person who doesn't even believe God, there's a God or that you know, God created the, the universe. There can be no unity with heresy because by definition, heresy is a different truth, so a lie. Here's a list I put in here. We've already seen an absolute doctrinal examples necessary for unity that cannot be compromised or misunderstood i would say these would be necessary the deity of christ the trinity the virgin birth of christ meaning the humanity of christ the bodily resurrection of christ the justification by faith alone in christ for salvation and the inspiration of scripture here's a breakdown of the word orthodox again with the capital o point one the above truths our doctrines would be considered orthodox the word orthodox means what we already saw, conforming to what is generally or traditionally accepted as right or true, established and approved. The vocabulary word orthodox should not be confused with the sect of Christianity entitled the Orthodox Church. I've said this before, but here's the information. Or the Eastern Orthodox Church. Uh, that's spelled with a capital O. Point B, this is what I wanted you to see. 
This branch of Christianity known as Eastern Orthodox Church is a group that's separated from the Roman Catholic Church or better known as the Latin Church or the Western Church in 1054. So wrap your mind around that. It's 1054 A.D. And at that time, there was only one church, the Catholic Church. Again, there may be churches in different you know, parts of the world that are you know, not associated with this. But this, this Catholic Church was, everything was under this Catholic Church. Catholic means universal, which is something we all believe in. It's even in the Apostolic uh, Apostles' Creed. It, 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 and you ever you remember as a kid, it may have been whenever you were last time you said it in a church. Uh, we'd read the. We're in, I, I would grow up in a Methodist church, so every Sunday we'd read the the Apostles' Creed. And I believe in one church, the Holy Catholic Church. And it, we go through. It's like, and it's, I obviously like when I got old enough. You know, I'm I'm nine, ten, and twelve years old. And it's like, and, uh, we're Methodists, and I've heard some bad things about the Catholic Church. And why are we saying that we believe in the Catholic Church when we don't believe in the Catholic Church? And you know, it just you never had enough care to ask somebody just like this is a weird statement of faith is anybody is anybody even paying attention as we read this because we're methodists and we're saying we believe in the catholic church <laughs> it's like oh well and i'd read the next thing and endure and just hope the pastor got done preaching quick which of course i'm total violation of that all the time but anyway i came to understand that we believe in the catholic as in the catholic church the universal church which we still believe in we believe even tonight i believe in the one universal body of christ or if you use the word the catholic church so they call themselves the catholic church because they were the universal church but by 1054 the eastern half of the empire if we were to draw this this is pretty good line right about here right about here right here these people over here were interesting these churches over here had had enough with this group right over here in Rome. And we could go through a lot of that things. Uh, a lot of differences. We're going to come up with the Easter uh, uh, date here coming up. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, they celebrated Easter on one day. They celebrated on a different day. That's a fun conversation. These To be a leader or a bishop over here, you had to have a beard and you had to be married. Over here, you had to be shaved and can't get married. And just a variety of other things that they began to, by 1054, they'd had several consuls. All of the first major Christian consuls and creeds come from this, this union right here, this Catholic church, which is the Eastern church, the Latin church, or the Greek church, the Latin church, the Western church, Eastern church. But in 1054, uh, they excommunicated each other. They, 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 they sent delegates over here, to excommunicate them and they in return excommunicated them and so then you had right at that point you had the latin church oh and the language one one latin was the main language of the western church when i say western church guess where you come from this is your heritage this would be very foreign to you even today you go over here you're like i don't understand this you go over here you're like okay this is not protestantism but i understand what's going on here this you'd be like I, i've never seen this before just their style of worship uh so again it's interesting 
Uh, so when we, we were part of this Western church that eventually then in 1517, that time, Council of Trent and different times, we split off about 500 years later, the Protestants split off again. And Protestant means protesters. We're protesting against the Latin church. And if you're a Protestant today, you are still in protest against the, uh, the uh, Latin church. Anyway, 1054, and they became the Greek Orthodox Church, and they maintained the name Universal Catholic Church. And of course, they didn't consider these guys actually Christians uh, because of it's been smoothed up since then. Uh, point B1 there on page 7. This is similar to another split that occurred when the Protestant Reformation split from the Roman Church beginning with Martin Luther in 1517. And the Diet of Worms, which is fun to talk about because that's where they called Martin Luther in and wanted him to recant. And he says, so help me God, here I stand, so help me God. That's 1521 and began the Protestant Reformation. And so that created three general sects of Christianity, the Roman Catholic Church, the Eastern Orthodox Church, and the Protestant Church. Um, these next two pages, once again, is, uh, look at page nine so we can at least say we covered that. See page nine at the bottom? liberalism and fundamentalism i covered that earlier that if if you're extreme on this side you're a fundamentalist if you're an extreme on this side you're a a a a liberal and above that is relativism is our culture is a relative culture postmodernism. so this conversation is very hard uh for people to hear because we think of christianity as being peaceful unity just everybody just get along and now we're talking about division and this group is a heretic they are not christians well yeah but they've got a, a, a cross they've got a tax exemption yeah but they are not christian why because they don't believe these key doctrines which we're going to have to get to when we go through the heresies um the next page here yeah there we talk about non-essentials i gotta believe that we've covered some of those things the middle of the page uh middle page it says once on page eight the middle of the page once a doctrine or teaching finds its source or authority outside the bible the air or doctrinal differences can become more serious so there are certain things that are non-essential i talk about those right above there uh, similar to what we talked about before but once you start basing your source of authority on something other than the scriptures uh and that becomes a problem here with with rome uh they start basing it on tradition in around 400 A.D., Augustine started to teach it's always been the church tradition to do it this way. Well, Augustine, there's a difference between the text of Scripture and 400 years of tradition. The text of Scripture is authoritative. Tradition is exactly what it is. This is the way we normally do it, but do we have to do it this way? Can we change? It's like, well, it's traditional. Well, we can change that, and we've proven that. The Protestants have changed a lot of things and yet maintained integrity to the Scripture. Augustine started to bring in in 400 A.D. tradition right beside the authority of Scripture, which gave the Church of Rome even more power and leeway that if they can establish something as a tradition, then you have no wiggle room. You've got to do it. We've always done it this way. And there's a difference between tradition and always doing it this way to the truth that was once for all entrusted to the saints. But once something leaves uh, the Scripture... Uh, and it's outside the Bible, it can lead to false teaching. And here's some false teachings right here, just real quick. Annihilation, with instead of eternal hell or eternal judgment, annihilism, where everybody just ceases to exist, that would be a false teaching. Uh, but would that be a heresy? You see right there, it's a false teaching. Annihilism does not, is, is not true. There is eternity. Man was created and lives forever. He's, there's no end to man. He, once you're created, you're here forever. It's just where you're going to spend eternity. Uh, so, nihilism would be a false teaching. 
but meaning you just cease to exist. You die like, a, like a, a, an animal. Uh, and now again, I got to talk about animals. Do animals live forever? Okay, that is, but would that become a, a heresy? That'd be a question. Um, idea, some would say all religions are the same. Okay, that would probably be a heresy. Jesus was not God. That would be a heresy. Everyone goes to heaven. God loves everyone. Everyone goes to heaven. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That preaches nice, makes everybody feel nice, especially at a funeral of an unbeliever. Uh, because you sure don't want to preach the gospel at a funeral of an unbeliever. <laughs> that, would, that would be hideous, or maybe not. Um, so you teach, you know, he's in heaven looking down as he's your angel on your shoulder. Um, rejecting the authority of Scripture would be a heresy. Or justification by works. You know, if you do a good job, you do more good than... But that's just, that's paganism. That's not even Christianity. Uh, so those, those are kind of some of the highlights right there. I did not get to these things right here on the, on the back three pages. Just a bunch of the heresies coming up. You can look through those. Uh, these are just the heresies that are going to come up that we'll be going through at not, not, not extensively, but enough to touch on so you're familiar with how the church had to deal with these different heresies. Uh, and again, i hoping to get to that tonight, but we made it this far, and you're still here. I'll quit so you can run and escape. I do appreciate you taking time to be here and hope you find this useful and helpful. Father, do thank you for the opportunity to look into these things. We thank you for your truth that was once for all entrusted to your saints. We ask that we would use this, that we would study it, that we would renew our minds to it, that we would also defend it and stick to it and not, not allow other things to creep in and mislead us and corrupt the truth, the sound doctrine that we do have. We do thank you for this opportunity to study in our country. We pray for our nation and ask for peace that we may continue to spread the gospel at this time in history and ask that you continue to lead and guide each one of us in your perfect plan for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your time.